0: Hello and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus name. If you are looking for more of the word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen and amen. I want to thank the Lord for ushering us into a brand new year we made it to yet another one God is so good we are here and uh, you know we have some work to do so with that for our first Bible study of the new year we will go ahead and talk about uh, something that we had mentioned before the last year had ended I know for Christmas, and if you give me just one second to pull that up, let's see. We had talked about, of course, the Lord and how we win because of what He had already planned to do for us. And for this year coming forward, because God is so good, we talked about something very peculiar that my mom had just mentioned. And that is about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It's the reason why me and you are here. It is also something that we need to really learn to live in and love in, right? the last lesson we had to kind of usher us into the new year, I had entitled it Forgive It Forward, right? It's about really walking in that forgiveness, right? Uh, The Bible teaches us that while we were yet still enemies of God, that he went ahead and saved us, right? He saved us through the sacrifice of his darling son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it was through that sacrifice that uh, God made us right with him through uh, the, the ministry of reconciliation. And forgiveness is one of those things that I don't really believe that we truly consider, you know, the whole gravity of it, right? But let me tell you about it. had this conversation not too long ago uh, with Granny, and I had heard a a pastor say that the reason why forgiveness seems to be such a daunting task is for the simple fact that when we forgive, we absolve a person of the wrong that they've done, correct? Forgiveness and no we're not going to say that. But forgiveness at its core is to have absolution, right? Now, absolution when we've been wronged means that <clears throat> somebody has wronged us and of course they owe us <clears throat> some form of compensation, whether that be for us to be for, you know, they apologize, they make it up to us in some other form or fashion, right? A grand gesture, whatever it may be, we're looking for something in turn for us being wrong. Now, in a lot of cases, that typically does not happen in the way that we would like it to happen, but that's okay. The thing about absolution is that it can go both ways. Now, When you absolve somebody of the wrong that they've done, when you forgive them fully, right, what you do is that you eliminate the debt that is owed to you. That's a very important thing because when God forgave us, right, he eliminated the debt that was owed. Now, the Bible teaches us that all sin, every single one of it, even the little white lies, they all equate to death, right? And since all sin equates to death, that means that there is a a debt owed, right? When there is a debt owed, there needs to be a collection. But since God has forgiven us of our sins, and once we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we start our, excuse me, this weather has been really bugging me, and we start our sanctification process, correct? and we go throughout life now trying to live a a holy life. We're trying to get things right according to biblical standards. Well, what happens there? The Bible also tells us that aside from all sin equating to death, that those of us who live inside of Christ Jesus, there is no longer any condemnation, right? Meaning there is no accrual of debt. We cannot accrue any more debt Unto an account that has been closed, right? That does not mean <clears throat> that when you sin and do wrong, that uh, God does not uh, make consequences occur, correct. There are still consequences for the good and the bad. It's just that the death that is attached to the sin now, that when we are walking after the spirit, we're trying to do the will of God, right, instead of trying to please our body, our flesh and what it wants to do then the debt process is no longer there. Now, the important thing about that is that we can see in our lives now is that we are here. When God got on that cross and hung his head, <clears throat> before he committed his spirit into his father's hands, he asked them to, well, the Lord asked the father to forgive us for we know not what we do right. And in a lot of cases, when people wrong us, they really aren't aware of what they're doing all the way, right? Now, I get it. We are all people. We are all accountable. Um, Biblically, according to scripture, there is an age of accountability that we roll with. And at that point, you are accountable for your own spiritual relationship with the Lord, as well as your actions. I'm not trying to diminish accountability. But what I am saying is that also, according to scripture, that it says that when we deal with people to be aware that in a lot of cases, when they act or move a certain way, that it's not them, but that is, it is the spirits <clears throat> that can be present inside of a person. And we know that to be true. We weren't all saved all the time. So we've all had our fair share of being there. And even after salvation, sometimes if we let the ball drop too many times, uh, we allow ourselves to become susceptible. So none of us are, you know, none of us are exempt. We have to stay on our P's and Q's. That's why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, to study the word daily so that we can be sure to keep it at the forefront of our hearts and our minds. It's a big process. Now, what does this have to do with forgiveness? You're probably asking, well, I'm glad you did. Let me tell you. When it comes to forgiveness, again, there's that absolution, right? When God died on that cross phrase, he he wiped the slate clean. Now, in doing so, when we get wronged, we have an we have a choice here. And I always bring this movie up because it's such a wonderful reference, but the Shack, right? Great book, great movie, wonderful thing. And the Shack, the main character, had been asked by the Lord Himself, you know, about judging uh these people that had been doing wrong, especially uh, spoiler here, about <clears throat> the 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 murderer of his daughter, right? You know, you're upset, understandably. You do not want to forgive a person like this. I, I get it. We're human. That's <clears throat> horrible. It's just a terrible thing. But the point that the Lord is making to the main character, whose name is Mackenzie in this situation, is that when we hold on to something, when we're living in unforgiveness, what we're doing is we're empowering that person to have a stronghold in our lives, right? When someone has wronged you, <clears throat> when they've just outright <clears throat> betrayed you or whatever it may be, you you understandably feel a certain type of way. You've been wronged, you've been hurt, you've been misused, you've been abused, all of the above. And so now you seek Penance, right? You you are owed a certain level of apology or something for them to say, you know, hey, I realize I was wrong. Or in certain cases, the way we think, because we're people, they deserve to suffer, right? But that's not how this here works. The way this works is that God isn't expecting us when he says to forgive, to just get over it right then and there, right? Forgiveness is a process but the process has to be started if you're ever going to let go of something. And that's the thing right there. Unforgiveness is a wonderful tool of the enemy to try to trick you and trap you from getting to the next phase of your life, right? We talked about this maybe a year or two ago, but you cannot fight future battles if you are busy fighting past ones, right? The past is the past. I don't care if what happened to you happened yesterday. It's already transpired. You cannot do anything to change it. Another thing that I heard a a very wise minister say is that in this area, right, we've been disrespected, whatever we've been wronged. We were owed something, right? What we cannot control is our emotions, right? Our emotions are Like a bottle of water, you shake it, it goes everywhere. But what you can control is your response, and that's something that we talked about all last year—to stop reacting and to start responding. You've been wrong. I get it. You're upset, mad, all of the above. But how do you choose to answer to that? To that, what happened? Right? Do you react and make it worse for both parties, or do you respond? Let me tell you how a response looks, because you know how a reaction looks. You've been wrong, you've been mistreated, whatever. It happens. How do you respond? You still treat whoever wronged you with a certain level of honor and respect, right? Respect is, you know, I, I understand it's earned, but to a certain degree, we all owe each other a modicum of respect, just being people, right? We're not animals. We're not uh inanimate objects like this mouse. <clears throat> we're people that can communicate with one another, whether it's poor or acceptable. And in God's eyes, especially according to scripture, everything that we do should be as if we're doing it unto him, meaning make everything God-centered. And doing so, you allow yourself <clears throat> a certain level of grace to step back from the situation. Granny has always told me throughout my life that one of the best things we can do for somebody if we truly love them is to just leave them in God's hands, right? We can do oh so much according to the gifts and talents and the resources that God has blessed us with in order to intervene into somebody else's issues or whatever, if we've been led to do so, right? I'm not telling you to just go hop in problems. Do not do that. It's not how we're starting off a new year. What I'm saying is, is that when we're led to do something, And all else fails, the best response is to pray and to leave it with God. We're not problem solvers. If anything, I'm a first responder to take notes and report it to the big man. But at the end of the day, whatever I do and whatever you do, regardless of if you are active in a situation or not, the only thing we can really do is leave it with God, right? We respond accordingly as to what the situation dictates and as to what God teaches us or tells us to do. But outside of that, we shouldn't be moving just as quick as possible. Remember, your emotions want you to do stuff snappy. But a response from godly wisdom says to be still and wait and know that I am the Lord, right? God has this. He has everything. And with forgiveness, the Hardest part of the process is to start, but Lord, they did this to me. They did that to me. They took whoever, you know, but we have to remember that no matter what we as people can do to one another, none of us can hurt another person as much as we have hurt and offended God. We made God Almighty, who is perfect in all of his ways, to outright say, I regret making y'all. Now. I don't know if that really registers with you the way it does with me or the way it does with my brother, because he's the one that brought it up to me one time. But God is literally perfect. There is no error, no flaw, no nothing. The Bible says that, you know, that God is not even like us, right? his ways are not our ways and vice versa. That the only reason why we can really walk this Christian journey with him is because now our spirit is consubstantial with his. We are oneness, one essence. And I want you to think about that, right? God chose to forgive us people that he regretted making, people that he flooded the whole world out. God drowned fish. I want you to really listen to that. God drowned aquatic animals. I don't know how you drown a fish, but he did it. He did it. And he left eight people standing and two of every kind of animal. And that was it. And now, if you've read your Bible, you know that when all is said and done, God is going to purge the world once again, but this time in fire, he is going to completely wipe the slate clean and just create everything brand new for us, his people, right? He's going to have a brand new playpen for his babies. And I'm, I'm happy about that. This one is We messed it up big time, but God is a a fixer. He's a good God. But I say that to say that look at what God has done as a true peace offering of absolution, right? When we say you're forgiven, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what God means when he says that we're forgiven. When we ask God for forgiveness, what happens? He takes all the wrong that we did, And he completely wipes it out. Right. And then from there, the thing that we as people tend to have issue with is that he forgets it. Right. We have a saying as people forgive, but don't forget. That's backwards. Right. I'm not telling you. That, it isn't, that it's possible to forget certain things that happened to you. But what I am telling you that in true godly fashion, if we're going to really respond to situations, it's that once we really forgive, we don't have to bring it up anymore, right? I don't care if that person that really did you wrong <clears throat> stays in your life, right? God mends the relationship. Y'all are good to go y'all press forward. But something happens, right? We're people. We're going to offend each other at some point in time. It's, you know, it's bound to happen. But when it happens, you respond to it, right? Don't react and bring up the past. If you really forgive somebody, then you don't bring up any wrongdoings that they've done to you. Because that that's not a part of forgiveness. God almighty, when we ask for forgiveness, he takes it, he forgives it if we're sincere about it, and he gets rid of it. Why would he bring I, I've never had God bring back up my past not to <clears throat> berate me. If anything, when he brings something up, it's to make a point to push me forward. Not to break me down. Remember that the Bible teaches us to build one another up in the admonition of the Lord. You can't build if you're in unforgiveness. That's the thing right there. That's where Satan wants to get you. You cannot be a constructive builder, a constructive worker, a good spouse, a brother, a mother, a sister, an aunt, or whatever if you're living in unforgiveness. Why? Because unforgiveness makes you emotionally numb. And that's where we're going to cut all that off for this year and every year moving forward in Jesus name. We are no longer going to take a step forward and take 10 back. Instead, we're going to take 10 steps forward and we're going to you know, fall forward a little bit because we're not perfect, but we're going to get back up again because remember, we fall inside of Jesus and falling in Jesus isn't even to fall at all because the sins that occur in that fall inside of the Lord, it's not about us staying there anymore. I heard a preacher say that when we sin, whatever, we've gone X amount of months without doing something calamitous, right? But then we mess up we should not be camping in the sin. I get it. You messed up. You feel bad. I understand. That's your conscience and the Holy Spirit speaking, saying, hey, you know, you messed up but we can move forward. God doesn't want you to camp in the sin because then you, come be, you can become complacent and feeling sorry for yourself. And baby, this is not a weak army of ours, okay? This is an army full of soldiers for the Lord. We're strong, we're resilient, but most of all, we can take a punch. And if one act of indiscretion, whatever it may be, can just throw you off track, well, I tell you what, that's okay. I've been there before. Become accountable. Accountability is the single best way for anybody to continue to grow and move forward. First of all, you are accountable to the Lord. If you have a relationship with Him, well, you gotta talk to the big man. Okay, you don't just go throughout life not talking to your father, to uh, <clears throat> you know, to the drill sergeant, to the boss. You got you gotta know what you're doing, right? When you make mistakes, you should be able to say, "Hey." Um, I know I was supposed to do this, but I accidentally did this. Or I'm not gonna lie to you, Father. I wanted to do that, but we have to have these conversations. Why? Because God is not some child sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass. He's not out to get you. He's out to help you. I mean, He already absolved us of our sins because hell is terrible as it is, and as honestly mysterious as it is like god really downplayed describing hell right endless fire uh wailing constantly the gnashing of teeth worms that don't die you know it's it it that's enough to make me not want to go but that's a major downplay of probably how just insidious it is right but even so we deserve that let's be honest. We're honest around here. That's what we deserve. I mean, sin leads to death and that's all we do. So, but God forgave us, right? And now in forgiveness, he's made us joint heirs to his throne to where when we die now, it's not even the same death. When we pass away, uh, the Lord personally comes and gets us and takes us to where He is. That's the promise that Jesus made in the Book of John, right? My Father's house has many mansions, and I am going to prepare a place for you. And when it's ready, I will come back and get you to be with me where I am always. See, I like that way better because I heard somebody saying, "I agree that heaven is great. I love it." But if heaven were a place where God wasn't, what's the point? But I thank God that in heaven, right, the Lord, according to the book of Revelation, is going to be there with us, that we people will see and say that that is our God and we are his people and he is our God and we are his people, right? That's the beauty of it right there. Every step of the way, Jesus is never saying something that contradicts us being with him. And that's the thing. Every time the Lord sent them forward, one of my favorite things is that He says, and remember this, right? That I will be with you always, even until the end of the age or until the end of the world, right? And when this world ends, what happens? Well, Revelation kicks in. We are in the new city with Him, in this beautiful place that He has handcrafted for us. We are with Him where He is always. Eternal life, right? Forever and ever. But we don't get those things unless we get the forgiveness. Now, the beautiful thing too about forgiveness is that you don't just let something go, but I've seen it happen because I've been a beneficiary of it. It's that when you are forgiven for something truly egregious, it's something about that, that if your heart is, you know, malleable, God can break it and work with you that that does something to you on such a level to where you can't help but want to become a better you through Christ Jesus cuz you can't do it on your own. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know you know, but let me just remind you. Forgiveness is a two-way street. God forgave us so we could escape hell. But in the process when we see how bad we are after we hear the good news, when that measure of faith is activated, then we come running to Jesus knowing how wrong and gross we've been. We want him more than if he'd make us choose him, right? But see, that's the beautiful thing about God. He doesn't force you to love him. He already loves you, but he doesn't make you come to him. He asks to anybody that's weary, beat up, disgusted, broken down, ready to call it a day to come to him. He has hot food, uh, clean water, warm sheets, and a big hug waiting for you. And that's an everyday kind of thing, right? But we as people have to be ready because God does not really move <clears throat> in certain ways unless we allow him to do so. Because <clears throat> what happens, right? Look at all the different instances in the Bible. He didn't do certain things because. they didn't want him right now it's not that he is limited by what we want or you know anything like that he is god almighty he can do what he wants to do he made everything out of nothing and by speaking it i can't replicate that but that's him but what he wants from us is to have faith and we know faith is also another word for trust can we just trust him so when god says to forgive. What he's really saying is, do you trust me to take everything bad that you're feeling and give you something better? Now, if you can't answer that question and say, yes, well, then please keep reading your Bible. Please keep praying and asking that God would help give you a more malleable heart because we cannot live in unforgiveness anymore. I know we see the world. We watch the news. We hear stuff. As we say right now, this simulation is broken because <clears throat> stupid things are occurring left and right. And at this point, it's so much that occurs that it's comical at some points because it's like, really, this is a movie, a just a real bad movie. And I clearly I got casted for it. So I'm here, right? But God is good. Don't you know that if God can forgive us, but let's make it personal. If God can forgive me for all the times I could have truly ruined relationships that blessed me every single day of my life, Uh, how God could forgive me for all the times I went out and did stupid stuff I know I had no business doing, but made plans. I made plans to go do dumb stuff plans to go sin plans to do whatever uh i would lie try to manipulate any and everything just to get my way so i could scratch my itches if he can forgive me and he can forgive you he can forgive the murderer the the rapist the molester the blasphemer the whoever then why can't we forgive one another I mean Peter asked him, Lord, how many times so after forgiving a day? 70? And Jesus replies 70 times 7 490 times if that's how many it takes in a day. And remember, if you're offended that easily, you're the problem. Get help. His name is Jesus, please. But I say all this to say that let's start this new year off fresh, right? I know. I'm guilty as charged right now. I tell on me around here so that you can you know get help too. and that we have to forgive okay we can't keep pushing stuff under the rug what happens it builds up and now you got a big lumpy mass in the middle of the room but you don't even want to look at it anymore because now you think that oh uh, I'll deal with that later but when do we deal with it when it's too late so don't let it get too late don't let unforgiveness hold any more weight in your heart instead Be free. Let it go. If you need to be the one to reach out, and I get it, we get sick and tired of being the bigger person, but I don't care about being a bigger person. I care about being right with God. And if God has already given me the answers on how to deal with something, then who's truly the foolish person here? The one who wronged you or the one who knows better and chooses to do wrong? I'll let you answer that for yourself. So let's forgive. Okay. God forgave us while we were still his enemies. We sin every single day, most of the time in our thoughts and other times when we just do something stupid, but he forgives us way past 70 times seven. I'm pretty sure we offend God at least a million times throughout the course of a day. These thoughts sometimes are so out of pocket that I don't know where they come from but see that's the thing God even knows those crazy thoughts before they pop into my brain and still chooses to forgive me why just just why why because he's good and so if he's that good to you that good to me who lord I still question sometimes why he chose me to be a minister but that's a story for a different day then let us forgive okay it's, it's not as hard as we make it seem. We just get caught up in being selfish. Yes, living in unforgiveness is selfish. It's selfish towards you against God because he forgave us. And if he really lives inside of you the way some of us claim he does, well, then why are we offending him so easily? You know, I get you, you mess up, you make mistakes. That's one thing. But why are you choosing to grieve the Holy Spirit? That's a different thing. We're not supposed to do that. Why? Why? Our our body is a temple that the Lord wants to live in, and when we mess it up, that's his house. Let's, Let's do better, okay? Let's forgive. Let's start with self, remember? Forgive yourself. Give yourself some grace. Start home. Then ask God for forgiveness because you know you did them wrong in some way, shape, form, or fashion, okay? Start every day off like that. End every day like that. It'll you'll you'll thank me later, okay? And then, if you need to extend the olive branch, I'm not saying that certain relationships needs to, to to stick around. But what I am saying is, mend it, okay? Don't mend it for them. Mend it for God and mend it for you. When you mend it for God, what does He do? He blesses you for your obedience. But more so, He blesses you by getting it off your mind. There are too many things going on for you to be worried about somebody who stole your last few Cheetos, okay? Life is too short for you to be concerned about somebody who honestly really messed up in your life 20 years ago. Let it go. Please let it go, okay? It's not that serious. Life is short. We don't know what tomorrow brings. So let's do better about one another, okay? You can forgive let it go. I don't want to hear water under the bridge. I want there to be no water at all because nothing happened, right? That's how God looks at the situation. If he can forgive us, somebody like the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer of his people and happily did it, smile on his face, blaspheming against the Lord's name. If he can forgive somebody like that and make him one of the greatest super apostles that we know wrote the majority of the new testament the thing that solidifies uh this new journey of our relationship with god we remember we walk in love not not the law anymore then why can't we do it okay I, that that's all i have for you Let, let's forgive this year okay let's start now let's start the year off right And then as we turn it into a habit, it only takes like, I think, seven days to really form a habit and 30 to really just lock that thing in. You'll be better off for it. The quicker you can forgive somebody for wronging you, the less you will have on your plate to be concerned about. Trust me, when you let them sins go, by asking God for forgiveness and you feel light. Imagine how much lighter you'll feel when you forgive because to live in unforgiveness, it'll age you about 30 years. It, It looks bad. So forgive, let go, lean into your community. That's what we are here for. And more so just let God be God in your life. I know you want some some vengeance, some suffering to occur, but the battle's not even yours when you get wronged. It's his, and he will handle it accordingly. So don't try to take something for yourself, being selfish when it belongs to God in the first place. That's not a fight you want to fight. Trust me, There is no wind to be found. But anyway, Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer simply saying, Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much that as we move forward in Jesus' name, because I'm claiming it in your name, Father, that we will be better at forgiving. That Father God, in your name, Lord Jesus, that in the same way you chose to forgive us when honestly we don't even deserve it in any way, shape, form, or fashion that we too can do the same. For the scripture tells us to, that what is freely given unto us to freely give it to others, right? Well, you give us love. We can share love by sharing you, Lord, and to forgive something that seems so arbitrary when we've been wronged. If you got slapped in the face, slap them back, but that's not what you taught us. If we've been wronged to offer the other cheek, that when someone does harm to us to offer them whatever, right? That doesn't mean that we become push mats or placemats or rugs for them to walk all over. But What it means is, is that we honor you by giving grace because that's what you do. And we, when we've been wrong so much, Lord, that we leave it in your hands because it's not our battle in the first place, it's yours. And we, who you've blessed to understand, know the outcome. We win. So Father, I also ask that you would allow us to not get caught up on things that are trivial, for you are the only important thing out there, Lord. And it is our job as your ambassadors, as your mouthpieces, to continually spread the gospel, to help save souls, to expand this family, and to make sure that the infirmary is well staffed so that new inpatients can get what they need and the outpatients can go out there and be revitalized, to be revived, to help say, hey, I've been through that too, where you are now, but I went here to get help. And guess what? Dr. Jesus came through for me. So Father, in this new year of 2024, I simply ask that you would be with all of us who already belong to you, Lord. And for those that don't, that they would get to know you because the time is ticking. And Father, each day that we are blessed to take, we need you more and more. But Lord, I thank you that you will be with us every single step of the way like you promised you would. And the simple fact that you are a watcher and a keeper of your word means that it's going to happen. So Lord, we say thank you, we love you, and we will be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you, and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors, and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.